This is a podcast version of a radio show by K103 Gothenburg Student Radio. Find us at k103.se. Due to copyright, the music is shortened. Yes, good evening. Welcome to Ordinary Observations with Mark and Jack. It is Wednesday, 8 o'clock. It's fucking cold outside. Yeah, man. It's not nice anymore. But we've got some uh, heartwarming stories of rugby controversies and conspiracies to warm you up a little bit. The rugby conspiracies. this episode of Ordinary Observations. Exactly. How's it going? Before yeah, we get started? it's going good. It's, it's going, going good. good. How's, I see, how's your going? I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm happy to see that uh, we've bumped up the lady listenership a little bit. Yeah, to a solid 35%. So, <laughs> I'm not sure if that was a spooky episode last week or if that was something else, but... But at, we're on, we're on least, the right track. At least this, uh, at least this episode will help us. I don't think this episode will help us. N- not in the slightest. I'm, I'm sorry. Unfortunately. Also, sorry to everybody who's not a rugby person. Yeah, we chose this. Yeah, let's get started. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Right. Oh, should kick us straight off with Susie and the 1995 Rugby World Cup final between New Zealand and South Africa. Mm-hmm. So we head back to 1995. Between two rugby giants, South Africa, the Springboks, and New Zealand, the All Blacks. Yeah, we won't talk about the last game that they played. No, no. This this one will flip back 18 we'll, years yeah, instead. Yeah. We'll, come, yeah. we'll come back to this one in 18 years' yeah. time. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, the All Blacks were on a red-hot streak going into the final, smashing England 45-29 with the iconic scene of Jonah Lomu smashing over Mike Cat, yeah. staying in everyone's minds forever. Yeah, the one they just play over and over and over again. <laughs> yeah. It's like every rugby big hit yeah, episode exactly. ever made. And South Africa, the hosts, the Rainbow Nation, scraping past France in their semi-final in 1915. It's important to note that 1995 was the first time that um, South Africa actually took part in the World Cup because of apartheid. They weren't mm-hmm. allowed in 1987 or 1991. Mm-hmm. And somehow they got the host. I don't know how that works. Yeah, I'm not sure how they scurried themselves yeah, into that one. That's yeah. interesting. So Nelson Mandela was the president of South Africa, newly elected, and it seemed to be a turning point, a good turning point for the country. Yeah. Mm. So South Africa, after beating France, were to face the All Blacks in the final, which was going to be a tough task because the All Blacks had possibly the best player in the world at the time on the team. Big Jonah. Sure. However, there are some good players on their team. What if it was a way to, what if there's a way to change that? Now? How good they were. 48 hours before the the final, the New Zealand camp had been struck with a mystery illness. Mm-hmm. To the extent that winger Eric Rush said that if the game had been played a day earlier, they wouldn't have been able to field a full team. Right. So what did they... Drop down to 10s or something. <laughs> Classic... Uh, was special. Yeah, rugby vest uh, style <laughs> of doing things. And uh, there was a huge outbreak of food poisoning in the team and mm-hmm. lots of shitting and puking and really just disgusting stuff. There was basically an alleged claim that one of the maids who has been making the food for the team poisoned the team. Yeah. There was a guy who was Nelson Mandela's head of security who was in charge of being the security for the All Blacks, and he said he saw someone slip things into the food. He claims it. This didn't come from Nelson Mandela himself. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, but maybe it came from... It came from a guy who works for Nelson Mandela, yeah. So that that's where it came, like, the structure of it. No, but I mean, like, the instruction to poison the All Blacks wasn't... No, I don't didn't, know. He's did, a dead man. He's a nice man. <laughs> it didn't come all the way from the top, though. No, no. But it may have it came... Seem, from... It seemed basically a very 
hardcore South African fan right. in the name of Susie mm-hmm. was uh, responsible for this no goodness. So my understanding is like the All Blacks definitely had food poisoning. Yeah. It was just a matter of whether and, it was uh, deliberate or not. There's some that claim it was her and then there's also the coach at the time who claims it was a crate of bad milk. Yeah, Colin Meads. <laughs> he says that it was just the milk, mate. <laughs> it was just the... Just honing the milk down. <laughs> I, don't know. I was like, the whole team has been smashing milks all yeah. night, or I don't know. Yeah, I mean, and that... then there's also some people that just claim they're on an absolute big bend after the semi-final mm. ruckus. <laughs> so that's what they also kind of play, but I don't believe that. Ah, that seems a little bit for professional sports. I mean, ad- that's like sports athletes. Uh... That's a. Uh, I mean, food poisoning is like the classic. I'm uh, sick thing from yeah. work, right? When yeah. you're just hungover. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you, you don't have to fake having a cold in the middle of summer or something. No. no you're just like oh dodgy pizza man (laughs) exactly Susie again yeah every cut's got fucking food poisoning somehow indeed sadly the All Blacks went on to lose the final supposedly because of their they were pretty shit on the day because they're feeling like crap oh well oh well it was how long ago 18 years. It's not like we've recently lost a Rugby World Cup final to Springboks spring or anything box, like yeah. that. Uh, maybe she's at it again. Maybe. She's resurfaced. Oh, Susie. The curse of Susie. Susie strikes back. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's the Springboks beating the All Blacks with sore tummies once again. <laughs> this is Neil Francis. Gimme. It was the milk. Hej, det är Håkan Hellström. Hej, det är Timo Reisnen. Det är Björn. Och Daniel från Reims. Du lyssnar på K103. Yes, that's correct. You are listening to K103 Gothenburg Student Radio. You're listening to Ordinary Observations with Mark and Jack. We're going through a long laundry list of rugby controversies, rugby conspiracies even. Rugby controversies, incidents and all off-field behaviours include and on... Yeah. We looked at Susie just now. Mm, that uh, was off-field. Yeah, that was definitely off-field. But on-field, however, mm. Bloodgate, 2009, April 12th, 2009, Harlequins Leinster in the Heineken Cup quarterfinal. That's was, um, England for yeah. those of you less acquainted with... Well, Leinster's <laughs> in Ireland, but yes. <laughs> yeah, Harlequins from London. Yeah. It was the day that the club was plunged into the biggest scandal the sport in the UK and possibly the world had ever seen. So it led to bans, re- resignations, <laughs> suspensions, fines, and a huge amount of publicity for a fancy dress shop. So <laughs> late in Leinster's 6-5 Heineken Cup quarterfinal win at Harlequin's ground, which is also wild, 6-5 win. Yeah, that's fucked up. That's so low. I hate rugby games yeah. like that. <laughs> um, Harlequin's winger Tom Williams was replaced with blood apparently pouring from his mouth. It was gushing. It was, yeah, really oozing out of there. Yeah. And <laughs> fly half Nick Evans who had earlier been taken off injured, was the man who replaced Williams. And so a string of injuries had meant that Harlequins lacked a goal kicker on the field as they sought to snatch a victory. So returning Evans was a move that ensured that they had a man on the field who could actually kick a ball. Evans' uh, late drop goal failed, however. (laughs) So they did actually lose the game. Yeah, they lost the game. Yes, however, the controversy of it all. TV footage showed Williams being handed a fake blood capsule by club physio Steph Brennan, which had been bought from a joke shop in (laughs) Clapham the day before. The winger later bit down on the capsule to fake the injury that would allow Evans to legally rejoin the match as a blood replacement. Exactly. And it's not a normal amount of blood. It's It's, it's what is joke shop amount of blood. Yeah, but like, you've had... 
teeth removed before, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Had your wisdom teeth cut out? It's not, not yet, actually. Okay, but it's not even comparable to that amount of blood. Yeah, yeah. But, but yeah, so so rugby rules, if you get taken off... Like because you get, of blood. Well, if you get replaced yeah. as a regular replacement, you're not allowed to just come back on. You can't just roll subs yeah. in, in rugby. Uh, however, if somebody else comes off for an injury, you can then go back on to replace that person. Yeah. It's called a blood sub. Yeah. It's called a blood sub. So that's what's happened here. They faked a blood sub yeah. so they can take off a guy that wasn't yeah was insignificant to what they wanted to exactly achieve, basically exactly. yeah and uh when the truth was revealed williams got a, williams himself got a 12-month ban and um he was the player that bit into the capsule yeah exactly okay. and richards who was the sporting director resigned from the club and was banned for three years after it emerged he had been involved in four similar incidents <laughs> oh okay yeah, man had been doing blood gates uh, the whole time <laughs> i heard the uh club physio who gave him the pill also got uh yeah she got banned she, from i think she's not allowed to do it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Shockingly, um i think people blood capsules uh nick evans got away with it though i don't think he was I don't, as, as far no, as i know he, he did didn't know he was unscathed no i former all black nick evans yeah i don't know if he didn't know but he definitely could claim innocence he just had yeah. to come back on you know yeah yeah, yeah, and yeah. miss a kick yeah <laughs> yeah he didn't get the kick unfortunately <laughs> yeah. oh yeah so that was bloodgate bloodgate should we go to the next song already yeah, yeah. Okay, all right, all right, all right, all right. okay this is a uh, boy spelt with two y's and jordan max please Listen to our music shows on Mixcloud.com slash K103. Yes, this is Ordinary Observations over at K103 Radio, and we're discussing rugby controversies. Yep. If you want to listen to us, to more of us, and find us on Instagram also, you can find us at Ordinary Observations, where we have also all of our shows on there. Yeah, all the shows on Spotify. All our shows on Spotify, yeah. and we make some nice content on Instagram for everyone. Yeah, I've even tried my hand at making uh, like some stickers, some yeah. uh, cartoon stickers. You can find them around Gothenburg. Yeah, maybe. hopefully. Yeah, they're getting delivered this week sometime. Uh, I mean, <laughs> hopefully. <Yeah. laughs> so, yes, we are discussing Bloodgate, yep. the controversy of having a fake blood capsule. Mm-hmm. Should we try that in the Simbas maybe? Yeah, time? we might need to do that sometime. Yeah. Although, I mean, we do get a lot of like genuine injuries as well. <laughs> So there's, there's always that. We never have enough people. Yeah. <laughs> and we're allowed rolling subs anyway. Yeah. So shout out Murray. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, Camp Staldrat was another. This one comes from South Africa again. So yeah. Uh, hey, they've been involved. No, they're, not, yeah. they're, not, they're not strangers to a little controversy. <laughs> but perhaps perhaps I'm fucking up the pronunciation here. Camp, Camp Staldrat. I mean, there's probably... I mean, You love your double A's. Yeah. You know, well, to be fair, Afrikaans is very closely related to Dutch, right? So yeah, maybe is. we could have got the... It was part of the Dutch. Yeah. Um, shout out Dutch listeners. Yep. Um, Camp Staldrat was a military-style boot camp ostensibly organized as a team building exercise for the Springbok coaching uh, well by the Springbok coaching staff before the 2003 Rugby World Cup this was just in the early days still of rugby being a professional sport yeah right? for sure and they didn't really know how to get no. everyone up to speed or what to do with like yeah. the stamina conditioning it, side it, of it it took different countries and different rugby unions different amounts of time to realize what was okay for a professional sporting team and what wasn't um and this feels like the very end of that era. It's like when, 
of actual athletes who have trade unions that yeah. are actually <laughs> meant to look after yeah. them. But like, thank goodness this was the end yeah. of that era where you used to be able to get away with this kind of bullshit. So the military camp of Kumstall. Yeah, so the camp was organised by the box coach uh, Rudolf Strauli at a police camp deep in the bush in northern South Africa. Uh, evidently, the purpose of this camp was to remove a sense of individuality in the players. They wanted to strip them down to the very essence of an animal human being can be. Yeah, scare them shitless. Yeah, um, you, you get like you get the kind of thinking though. Like feels like those Navy SEAL type training drills where you're supposed to lose your identity to become part of the machine, kind of thing. Mm. Yeah, uh, it's just not quite as serious in rugby though. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> well. <clears throat> it wasn't until after the 2003 World Cup that this came to light, so they, it was kept quiet for some time. Mm. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, now we get into the gruesome details. I will actually point out that uh, some of the details are relatively unsettling, um, if you were to imagine some of these situations. So if you're not interested in hearing um, terrible stories of physical abuse and emotional abuse, um, perhaps skip forward about 10 minutes. Yeah, yeah something like that. So... Camp Straldard, uh, Staldrad, sorry. Upon arrival, players were blindfolded and forced to crawl down a gravel path. The ripped off the bus. Um, reports on whether they were stripped naked at this point differ. Some articles I read say that they were stripped naked. Some say they ha- ha- got to keep their clothes on for this part, at least. Um, but the, good start. Yeah, you know, I mean, the forced nudity will come soon enough anyway. Um, a voice through a microphone shouted welcome to camp should i do that in africa no i've been not uh no okay i won't <laughs> no go ahead go ahead <laughs> welcome to camp Staldrad. <laughs> yeah that's good actually uh which translates to um camped barbed wire oh man that's what Staldrad means so again the the being stripped naked part is going to be a kind of a recurring theme here yeah odd uh, yeah I mean, again, it's, it's to degrade the players, to lose their sense of identity, to lose their sense of individuality, I suppose. Um, definitely degrade. It kind of makes, yeah, very much so. It kind of makes you wonder, though, if there's some sort of perverted homoerotic ulterior motives at play. Yeah. Oh, so I'm saying yes. No, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> it just I, happens I, too often. I certainly wouldn't rule it out. <laughs> um, so, apparently... You know, a few guys get dragged off the bus, may or may not have been forced to get naked, blindfolded and forced to crawl up a gravel path. Uh, understandably, a couple of them were like, I mean, nah, fuck this, bro. What the f- <laughs> <laughs> so they tried to stand up yeah, uh, and remove their blindfolds, but the guards fired shots into the air to scare them. Holy shit. Obviously, if you've been blindfolded and you don't realize there's armed guards beside you, this would be quite upsetting. Imagine if this is your first World Cup camp as a uh, South African player. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's yeah. going to be well, like yeah, that. You've just made it into the team as an 18 like or 19-year-old. 19-year-old, yeah. Yeah. Um, so that would be scary. But okay, you if you're an international rugby player for South Africa, you're probably a pretty tough kind of guy. Uh, but this would obviously be... This is a this is a step further. <laughs> um, so again, yeah, they were after being forced to... Uh, crawl their way through the gravel. They were then stripped naked, if they weren't beforehand, and forced to fight their positional rivals bare-knuckle boxing style. What the fuck? So when I say positional rivals, I mean like Like the guys that would... fly half, the other 15. Yeah, the guys that would replace them in the team if they were to come off kind of thing. Um, Fighting for the same position in Mm. the starting lineup. So, I mean, maybe you could justify that by saying you wanted to create some sort of beef between these guys because... They want to fight for their place in the team. and But why do they have to be naked? <laughs> why do they have to be naked? Why do they have to be bare-knuckle boxing? Also, yeah. yeah. So one one player would later go on the record to 
recall this boxing as three minutes of vicious fighting, just reckless and meaningless violence. Oh, man. Mm. That's miserable. Yeah, it's very miserable. Later, after a series of grueling and degrading physical tasks, these players were sent to spend the night out in the bush. The guards gave them uh, two chickens and a box of matches and told them, there's your dinner. I also heard reports that actually it wasn't even meant to be their dinner. They mm. just had to cook it. And if they cooked it badly, they had to like go like get water yeah. poured over them. And- <laughs> okay. Well, apparently they didn't eat them anyway. No. Uh, but that was to feed a squad of a, a entire squad of 30 men. So <laughs> two chickens. Two chickens. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, yep, that's that. Uh, another instance where players were also forced naked to enter a freezing cold lake and were told to pump up rugby balls underwater. Yeah, I've seen this. This, this is the iconic picture. This is right? the picture, yeah. The whole 30-man squad mm. pumping up rugby balls on this lake or something. Yeah, so uh, when some players again decided, oh, fuck this, we've had enough. I'm off boot. Yeah, the uh, guards once again fired their weapons to intimidate the players, scared them back into the lake. Again, yeah, this is where the pictures emerged from. Mm. Players can be seen sort of standing in a circle using the rugby balls to cover their genitals. Just, just shivering. Just yeah. freezing cold, yeah. just standing there. I'm not sure... If that's like a, necessarily a fool's errand or not to be pumping up a rugby ball underwater, I think it was more again that they're just naked having yeah. to pump it up. Like, that's but I, that's I don't know if they had like actual pumps or they were just told to like blow them up with their mouth or something. Oh, I, I don't think you can. I don't think so either. <laughs> but but that's what I mean. Like yeah. maybe that's what it makes it a fool's yeah. errand. Just like just to do something to be in the yeah, cold. Yeah, just to be just to embarrass them and make them cold and miserable and. Also grosser that they then took pictures of it as well. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, at least that picture brought to light to the South yeah. African public to be like, this happened. That's yeah. fucked up. So after three days of this kind of bullshit, it culminated in the last evening. Uh, players were once again forced to strip naked and marched down into a foxhole, which is like an underground bunker used in tactical warfare. Like a trench, right? Well, yeah, but like yeah. underground. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So like completely buried. Hmm. Once again. Once inside, they had freezing cold water poured down inside the the hole, over their heads, that kind of shit. And they were forced to sing the national anthem of South Africa whilst England's God Save the Queen and the All Blacks' haka were blasted at them continuously for hours on end. Again, some of the players, you know, they started showing obvious signs of hypothermia Mm. and the team tried to band together to make some sort of escape. And once again, they're met with warning gunshots from the armed guards. It's like actual live ammunition as well, too. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Man, what so, the fuck? So, yeah, afterwards, there were sort of debates on whether, you know, it was it was admitted that uh, firearms were involved, mm. but they claimed that they were never pointed at the players. As if that's any As if, like... As if any of this is all right. As if you fucking know when you're blindfolded anyway. Um, again, with the nudity, the depravity... Common, uh, the freezing cold. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, so just uh, real like psychological torture and yeah, it's horrible. Yeah, and the sake of a uh, of a rugby team. Upon completion of the three day boot camp, the Springboks were ultimately uh, broken men, and would <laughs> would prove to be no better rugby players for it, as they would go on to be comprehensively beaten in the World Cup. <laughs> yeah, man. so I didn't. What was the point? Yeah, it didn't didn't have any positive results whatsoever. I think after the aftermath, it was that the uh, the coach at the time he he was defended by the public because they weren't aware of this camp beforehand. He oh, was right. defended by like having a shit World Cup campaign, right. mm. and then it came out, and then he was trying to defend the camp as well. And uh, they were like, "Yeah, no." <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think he was defending it for some time, mm. and then like the pictures emerged, and the gun stuff emerged, and all the nudity and stuff like that. And then yeah, it was it's like, like these people's role models and like heroes that are just 
stripped down. Yeah, and man. Abused. I couldn't believe, like, looking at those pictures, some of, like, my favorite South African players growing up there. Yeah. Like, Schalkberger. You just see John Schmidt. John Schmidt, yeah, yeah. yeah stuff like Bucky's Borta. Yeah. With it. yeah, it's like, oh, man. That's fuck, horrible. It's fucked up, <laughs> dude. Yeah. That was Cam Straldrad. That was Cam Straldrad, yeah. Um, also, I saw that recently for this 2023 World Cup, Wales tried some similar kind of boot camp. Surely not. Where they were like putting bags over people's heads and oh. again with the water and the nudity I think too fucking hell no guns this time you'd hope not yeah mm. right on that's Camp Straldrad <laughs> and Wells you that- can you can tune back in now <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly uh, this next song's Mac Beats and Lena spelt with a one as the I Tunnel Vision K103. Stationen med det subjektiva musikvalet. Du lyssnar på precis den musik som vi tycker är världens bästa just nu. Känslan av kontroll gick från 100 till 0. Yes, that was Tunnel Vision by Mac Beats and Lena, spelt with a one. Uh, here on K103, Gothenburg's student radio, you're listening to Ordinary Observations with Mark and Jack. We're talking rugby controversies and conspiracies. We've just gone over Camp Staldrad, the horrific uh, boot camp organized by the South African Rugby Union before the 2003 World Cup. Let's go on to something a little bit more lighthearted, mate. Yeah, we're. let's go over to the Tonga Rugby Union. Ah, yes. Tonga and Paddy Power. Tonga are not a rugby nation with deep financial reserves, sadly. And this can make funding their attendances at World Cups pretty difficult. Mm -hmm. So in the 2007 World Cup, bookmaker Paddy Power decided to help with this and indulge in a spot of ambush marketing while at it. Not the first time we've heard of some uh, interesting marketing strategies from Paddy Power. Yeah, long-time listeners of the show will uh, know that Paddy Power has also appeared in some Dennis Rodman-related activities. Sponsored the Dennis Rodman trip to (laughs) North Korea. So, Paddy Power, the Irish bookmaker. Large bookmaker. Yes, they first encouraged center Epi Tayoni to change his name to Paddy Power. <laughs> a move that did not go down well with tournament organizers who refused to print his new name I, in any match programs or tournament guides. I wonder, like, why... Why him? Well, I guess... I have no, no money, basically. Like, no, 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 but I mean, like, why the rugby union or why the IRB at that point cared? I think it. they didn't want it to be, like, ruined by that. Because yeah. if one guy can change his name to Paddy Power... Mm. What, how, how much are they going to pay, do you know? No, there, there so, was no clue on that. To, to, I hope it was a fair bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah. so Paddy Power came up with a new idea. The, yeah. um, the, the Irish bookmaker <laughs> decided to that they would dye the entire squad's hair green, bright emerald green, before their pool match with England. <laughs> um... That would be a hard sell to the whole team, you'd imagine. Yeah. Also to Tonga, man. There's some big boys to convince yeah, to dye yeah. their hair green. Yeah, and like a, a proud culture as well. Yeah. They wouldn't just be... They don't want to fuck about with this kind of stuff. No, like just dyeing their hair green for no reason, yeah. you know? I, I can imagine some 
real scrawny Irish guy come in, yeah, like a Weasley yeah. bookmaker yeah. type dude, yeah. come into the changing room and be like, like "Oh, you want to dye your hair green now?" It'd <laughs> <laughs> like, um, be a good financial decision. I will. We'll be supporting your team. And, and <laughs> uh, Massive hundred yeah, fifty man. kilo boys. Like, I think that would be an uncomfortable conversation. How much are we talking? Now? <laughs> yeah. How much? Yeah. So when the word got out, the IRB, the International Rugby Board, is it? Yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah. Shout out Murray. Shout out Murray. He would know. Yeah. Uh, was quick to insist the green be gone <laughs> which was easier said than done which uh, because you know dyeing your hair is fairly permanent and the result was a bizarre pre-game training session undertaken by the Tongan players where they all had to wear like scrum caps and like wrap their heads in towels and stuff I can't so, imagine so, that so the green can't show so they're all wearing scrum caps and like a kind of bim bag and stuff like anything to <laughs> get rid of the green. <laughs> because then they obviously had to play the game though. Yeah, I guess they either dyed it some horrible brownish uh-huh. or, or shaved it. Still True. options. Shit. Yeah. Uh, is there any pictures of this from before? Yeah, there's some green Tongans. Oh, really? Yeah. Is that right? Bloody yeah. hell. That's a bit of Paddy Power and Tonga. Oh. We'll see how many times they appear again. Yeah, the Paddy Power's Power. a recurring theme for sure. What uh, else we got on the list? Um... The users and abusers of substances in rugby. Oh, one of my favorite lists. The coke fiends of days gone by. Yeah, talk us through it then. So, we got some abusers of narcotics. <laughs> Actually, entirely cocaine. Yeah. <laughs> There's but, so uh, many. Uh, for, for, for clarity's sake, though, this is not doping. No, this is just no, no, getting no, high. Yeah, exactly. It's or just, or just uh, doing... Just people getting fucked, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Not performance-enhancing drugs. First one on the list England Rugby World Cup winner in 2003. Didn't take part in any kind of torture camps. Uh-huh. Uh, Lawrence Delalio. Wasn't the captain, though. No. He'd lost the captaincy by this point. Yeah, because, because of this. Because of his previous... Uh... So Lawrence Delalio was he was a very good player, uh, the best on this list. Mm. Mm. <laughs> and he boasted about, before he started playing rugby at a good level, he boasted that he was just a coke dealer. <laughs> all the England players who won the World Cup, they all had like autobiographies that came out. Yeah. And his one was just half the book about telling about just cocaine and dealing cocaine to the point where the New Zealand police, upon a tour to New Zealand, they wanted to actually find him dealing drugs. Mm. And they he was a part of a big honeypot sting operation. <laughs> <laughs> Lawrence Delalio. He also what? claimed that he could get cocaine anywhere in London in 15 minutes. That was his big claim. That's actually, that'd be impressive to <laughs> yeah. see. But tell you what, when he lost the captaincy for that, yeah. he was replaced by Martin Johnson, right? Indeed, yeah. A gentleman with famously big nose. Man, I've met Martin Johnson oh, twice. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he lives very close to where he I live. could fit a lot of cocaine up there. Yeah. He wouldn't. He, he's a he's a top bloke, from my understanding. Hoover of a nose. Yeah, <laughs> he's got <laughs> real Dyson up there, mate. He's got massive hands there, like big dinner <laughs> yeah, plates. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so Lawrence Delalio, the first one. Vendor Sailor, who changed from rugby league to rugby union. Yeah, Australian player Wendell yep. Sailor banned for two years after testing positive after a game. Mm. So he played well high. Okay, nice. Australian second row Justin Harrison receiving an eight-month ban. Ah. After admitting to taking cocaine at Bath's end-of-season party in 2009. <laughs> okay. England prop Matt Stevens was handed a two-year ban in early 2009 for also testing positive after a different rugby end-of-year party. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And recently, the Ranfurly Shield. Oh, dear. The log of wood. Here we go. Was broken at a party in Hawke's Bay after they won it back. Mm. And images taken following the party show a suspicious amount of white substance on the board. Yeah. You'd think you'd at least brush it and off. And also a very broken trophy. Yeah, yeah. So, so that was what the picture was of. Yeah. It was supposed to be of the shield, which is just... It's a wooden shield with a but bunch of... snapped, right? Yeah, sort of snapped where the grain and the wood meet. Yeah, it's been 
joined, you know? And so if, if you were at that party taking the picture, you think it would also be in your best interest to wipe the cocaine away first? Yeah, and you think you maybe just not take pictures of the fucking yeah, shield. Yeah. <laughs> but it was quite funny, the like sort of press conference after that with the coach and the captain yeah. and all the journalist wanted to know was, um, you know, uh, there seems to be a suspicious white substance on the shield there. Can you tell us what that might have been or what could have yeah. possibly led to that being on the shield? And uh, both of them had obviously not been at the party. Oh. Well, that's what that's what they were supposed to say, at least. So they couldn't then cop any liability for having been involved with the Mm-mm. potential white substance. Wait, did they break the shield? They broke, they broke the shield, but... It was very deliberate because if it does turn out to be cocaine afterwards, mm. then they can just say, well, we weren't at the party. We were dealing with the best information we had. Yeah, of course. And so we didn't know when we said that we don't know. Yeah. Nah. Anyway, that's a um, little bit of detail on Hawke's Bay and the broken Ranfilly Shield, the old log of wood, mate. Yeah. Probably not what you expected to hear on Swedish student radio, <laughs> but that's all right. This is Tara Borjan of Et Sekel. Club Distortion är ett program om musikproduktion och DJing med fokus på kvinnor, transpersoner och icke-binära. Lyssna på fredagar klockan 18 i Göteborgs Radio K103. You're listening to Ordinary Observations with Jack and Mark. We're discussing some nice uh, rugby controversies. And uh, if you have got any rugby controversies that you didn't hear this evening, let us know. Yeah. Type in on the Spotify. We'll uh, we'll get to it. We actually love that. And any further suggestions you got, swing them in. Exactly. Uh, also, please give us that little five star rating as well. Yeah. That really please. helps my ego. Please. I think we've we've gone through like the biggest conspiracies. We've just got a sort of general list of rugby dumbasses left to go, basically. <laughs> yeah. But I think that's quick, almost a quick fire round. Yeah, well, I think that's almost the most fun. We're going to start off with a a player very close to my own heart. A player I've watched over the last... What is it? 12 years. years. Something like that, eh? I think so, 12. Well over 100 games. 100 test wins for the All Blacks, which makes him uh, a greater player than Dan Carter himself. Who only had 99 test wins as the All Black. Aaron Smith. Aaron Smith, the recently retired All Blacks halfback, is looked upon on very fondly right now. But there was a certain point in his career where he made a a misstep, you could say. Yeah, so back in October 2016, the All Blacks were on their way to South Africa. They were in a Christchurch airport. And Aaron Smith may have had some sort of extra... He wasn't married, but he had something... Extra marital activity. He had some sort of affair going on, you could say. Um, And he and his partner were caught in a specific Christchurch bathroom. Mm -hmm. Mm. So... (laughs) <laughs> he was dropped for one game for breaching the All Black standards of behavior after being seen exiting a toilet cubicle with a woman at Christchurch Airport, as we said. So he was on the flight. He caught the flight with the team. But by the time it landed, there were rumors all around. This is a long flight. Too. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. It's like 12 hours to Durban or whatever it is. Yeah. And so they got found out because him and this woman were in the... There was a disability toilet. Mm. And there was a family with a child who needed that disability toilet being forced to wait outside said disability toilet. 
And so probably, I don't know how long they had to wait, but a un- time, a understandably time. some time. While and they then, were using it. And then by the time, you know, their son may have, may have really needed to go or whatever. And by the time these two people exit, one of them being one of the most high profile sports people in New Zealand, <laughs> an extremely well-trained individual. One of them being the most recognizable yeah, people. Yeah. <laughs> and so uh, you could see why that would have raised a few eyebrows for oh. the, the parents who were presumably rather upset by this point. Uh, and their son, who really needed the bathroom. What's the protocol? Do you ask for an autograph then or not? I don't think no, so. I don't think not. that's what they wanted. Um, and that, I could imagine that would have been quite an uncomfortable apology. Because yeah. you know when you use a disability yeah. bathroom and you're like, oh my God, my worst fear yeah, is it, that... It finally happened that someone who actually needed to use it... Yeah, has, has uh, had an accident outside because you've been the asshole blocking the fucking yeah. access to it. At least my only, like, at least it only goes that bad. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it could be worse. <laughs> Not for Aaron Smith. <laughs> it could be worse. Um, so, yeah, Aaron Smith was sent home from the tour oh. and he faced, well, he obviously had to make a very public apology to his partner. And what to make it worse, the, the woman involved in this situation also released screenshots of the text messages that Aaron had sent to her. Mm. And not only was he cheating on his partner, it, it, was, it became obvious that his literacy level was terrible. Subpar. Yeah, it was, it was really appalling. Uh, so his spelling, his grammar, just the general structure of his sentences and those text messages were frankly embarrassing. Too many rugby boys mm. in the head. Do you know what an affidavit is? Yes. Do you know how to spell it? No. He didn't. <laughs> a, to be fair, I don't know how to spell it either. I don't know either. But at least if my text messages would have become public knowledge, I would I would learn how to spell that first. Spelling would at least be fine. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Go through, lead us through a general list of uh, rugby dumbasses then. Yeah, so first one, big shout out to John Hopawati. Yeah, I mean, John Hopawati, technically rugby league player, yeah. but... For the long time listeners, throwback to episode four on insane on-field behavior. Mm. And I guess this section can be described as insane off-field behavior. Something along those lines. Which our boy John was also not no stranger to. No, no, he wasn't well-behaved anywhere. No. 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 But you can go back to episode four for that. Yeah, yeah, go find that. Got a deep deep dive. Mm. So, Wales international hooker Scott Baldwin putting his hand into a lion's cage in South Africa and getting his hand bitten. What? (laughs) (laughs) And to make it worse, he recorded the whole thing himself. (laughs) So he's got his hand cut. It was like a Welsh tour to South Africa, and he was like, oh, they're on a safari, and there's a lion in a cage, Mm. and he goes to put his hand through on the video and just goes, the lion's (laughs) grabbing on. And uh, he couldn't play the next game. (laughs) And, um, of course, in, in rugby when uh, the players can't play a match for whatever reason they always write the reason why yeah and his just had a lion related <laughs> lion related injuries <laughs> that's very definition of play stupid games when stupid prizes yeah so he recorded himself okay uh, another Wales international Andy Powell mm-hmm. was found drunk driving down a motorway in Wales in a golf cart <laughs> after his side beat Scotland in a Six Nations game uh, giving a fi- given a 15th month driving ban yeah that's awesome to have those kind of role models yeah man to, uh, to young up and coming rugby players level teams mm. um, what else have we got Hurricanes and All Black centre Geordie Barrett attracted headlines in New Zealand after he and a male friend were discovered eating takeaways in a stranger's house at 5am <laughs> following his team's loss to the Highlanders the previous evening. I remember this. It's, good, it's, uh, it's, it's good a good story. One. Yeah, so uh, Geordie Barrett, he, I guess he was like 21 yeah, or 22 at the time. Really young. Really young. Really young. So him and his, him and his team were playing in, in Dunedin. They'd gone out 
on the beers and he had rocked up to his mate's house, mm. a friend of his that was studying at university, rocked up to his mate's house at 5am and just crashed on the couch and was just eating his Maccas from you know the paper bag. <laughs> and one of the girls that came out of the bedrooms that turned out to not be his mate's house yeah. just screamed because this random dude is I'm just- like finding Jordy Barrett on your couch. He's a big dude too. Yeah. So obviously that was rather unsettling for her. She screamed. They realized what had happened. He apologized profusely and left. Mm. But I mean- when you're a professional sports person, things aren't that simple. Mm-mm. You don't just you don't just get away with you that. You can't just run out the door. No, so. without being dragged through the media for at least a couple of weeks. But uh, that was apparently that his coach at the time just said that he didn't believe it. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, why is this guy eating like a kebab at five yeah, in the exactly. morning on someone's couch? Exactly. So that's that's Jordy Barrett. Yeah. Amand the how do you spell that? Amand the Queen. Yeah, French prop. He could have also appeared on the. Um, the coke fiends of rugby to be yeah, honest well I guess so considering he died after showing his friends how to play Russian roulette in a bar in Toulon did you fucking write this yeah man but this was supposed to be light hearted banter mate <laughs> I'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> so basically this guy was a massive coke head of a French prop yeah. a big Henry Hoover type and uh, he also had massive debts to the mafia in Toulon and he basically one night very drunkenly decided to show his mates how to play the game Russian roulette mm-hmm she just shot it. Only once. Jesus Christ. Unlucky. Following on to that, we find the Rugby World Cup 2011 English team. They found themselves in hot water. A dark day for England. Yeah, probably. look, I'm going to be Not honest with first. you. I don't know the uh, politically most correct term for little people mm. that have dwarfism as yeah. a condition. But you know how you can hire entertainers, mm. uh, little people entertainers? That's what they did. Yep, and they... Were, they were, they basically were found throwing them. Yeah, throwing them like down a table and stuff like that. Doing lineups. Much them. like the scene from Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. That kind of bullshit. Yeah, so you could see why that would be quite media attention all attracting. All the things they could do. Yeah, yeah, so that's that's not great. No. What else you got? Light-hearted ones? Yeah, well, you got Saracen's prop there, mate. Oh, that's not light-hearted. What did he do? Saracen's prop Kevin Yates banned in 1998 after biting an opponent's ear off. Oh, that's not fantastic either. Good one, though. That's, um, <laughs> Hopawadi would have been proud of that. <laughs> A nice one, though. Former Island player Jamie Heaslip, who, uh, after quitting his Island career in 2017 or 18, mm. he basically invested all the cash he made into like tech startups and stuff in Dublin and became super annoying with that. He went on Twitter to ask if he should start making a podcast about that. And over 70% of the people responded, no. <laughs> Absolutely yeah. not. Thank God we don't have Twitter, mate. Yeah, yeah, I know. I've had enough people have told me no just in face-to-face. So. Yeah, maybe you should invite Jamie on. To be, well, I mean, maybe we should thank Elon Musk for <laughs> fucking Twitter up before we <laughs> yeah. got to it. Yeah. Mm. Israel Folau. Oh, goodness. Being generally just an awful homophobic person. Yeah, he was really passionate about that. Yeah, I remember this. He started tweeting about... The LGBT. Yeah, I don't know if community. it was when Australia, perhaps. Uh, Israel Folau, fantastic rugby player, to be fair. Australian international. Bad bloke. No, but he was like one of the best Aussie rugby players they've had in decades. Yeah, yeah, but we're uh, not just going to skim over. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I guess it was. Off, off field I'm antics. not sure if it was in relation to something that was happening in politics or if they were. If it was the legalization of gay marriage or something like that. I, I actually, it could have been that. And mm. he basically thought it would be an expert time to voice his opinion. Yeah, yeah. And he was, again, he was not quiet at all. No. It, it takes a very, I guess, fundamentalist Christian approach to it. Yeah. So it's, it's. It might even be Mormon, actually. I don't know. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. He's very much against it. Uh, he got banned from Australian rugby forever. Yeah, he lost his place in the team and everything. And, and now he plays for Tonga. 
That's right. Yeah. yeah. So Tong, I mean, Tonga the, took him. Here. Yeah. I mean, well, to be fair, he, he does make a good addition to the Tongan team. Yeah. Married to Maria Tutaia, famous uh, New Zealand netball player. Mm-hmm. Great silver fern she was for a long time. <sighs> Which is a bit of a shame. I think we overlook that a little bit in New Zealand as well. Everyone, like everyone loves Maria Tutaia. Hates Israel Falal for being married. a dickhead. Yeah, but they're married, so it's like, oh, we don't, we don't really talk about that. Mm, yeah. yeah, good. Yes. Mm. While on a 1978 tour of Argentina, Irish forward Willie Anderson was imprisoned for three months in Argentina in Buenos Aires by the authorities after (laughs) attempting to smuggle a flag from a government building as a souvenir. Man, this is something I would do for sure. Yeah, but that's some like Otto Warmbier shit, mate. (laughs) Stealing the painting from the North Korean hotel. Well, it could have been a lot worse. Argentina sounds better. To yeah, me. to be fair, it's probably not great. But imagine waking up at four in the morning, seeing a massive Irish man scaling a building, <laughs> stealing a flag. <laughs> flag. Have we got anything, uh, anything else that sticks out before we have to wrap this up? Um, yes. All Black swinger Doug Howler oh. found drunk, jumping on a car, smashing it up after the 2007 World Cup loss to France in yeah. the quarterfinals. I remember that. And also Manatualagi in the same cursed England team of 2011 was uh, after their final game just decided to have a, go on a massive boat party and was just f- filmed jumping off the ferry into the water in the harbour <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah is it Auckland yeah, yeah, yeah they were on the boat to Waiheke and he just leaped off like with a minute to go and just swam to the dock instead yeah yeah he's also a pretty recognisable guy he's massive yeah I think now would be a good time to apologize once again for a distinct lack of uh, female content here. Yeah. We couldn't find any women rugby players who have really committed any sort of controversies or... On field or off. No, no, it's, it's a real shame. So, I mean... The men of the duck staying in this sport. Yeah, that's uh, that's quite apparent. But they could up their game a little yeah, bit. Some, like... some sort of like light-hearted controversy would be all right. Yeah. No. I don't mind flag stealing. That's all right. That's fine. Yeah. I mean, surely some of them done a bit of cocaine here or there or something. Uh, maybe. Andrew Hoare. Oh, Andrew Hoare clubbing baby seals, yeah. Shooting a seal off the Otago coast. Yeah, that's not great, no. Two Western Force players in Australia getting fired in 2009 after they were kicking the cookers. Kwaka. Kwaka, yeah. Happiest animal on earth. Yeah, the ones that are permanently smiling. Not that day, unfortunately. All right, mate, we got to wrap this up. Yeah. Um, Uh, Shout out the Simbas. Up the Simbas. Who else, mate? Northland. Up the North and Tanifar. Up the Leicester Tigers. Up the Leicester Tigers. Up Leicester Fying Anuku. Yeah, in particular. Yeah, all right. I think that's good. Hopefully uh, he never does anything controversial. Follow us on Instagram at... Ordinary Observations. And Spotify at... Ordinary Observations. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. This is Racket Kloben Villagatan. Good Hello. night. You've just heard a podcast version of a radio show by K103 Gothenburg Student Radio. You'll find all our shows at k103.se. Follow us on Facebook or Instagram. Stay tuned.